Hi everyone, welcome to Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. I'm Langdon DeMint. And I'm Julian Taylor. And welcome to our podcast. Hi, and welcome to Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. My name's Julian Taylor, and I'm joined by my close friend. Langdon DeMint. How's it going, Jules? It's going well. Um, I think today we're going to be talking about the importance of incident management. I think that's wise. Is there anything you'd like to share with us? Well, for, for those of you viewing it on YouTube, you can uh, see that I've got a slight issue with my nose, which is slightly swollen. There's the odd uh, drop of blood has been expunged from that area of my body. Um, so, yeah, it feels slightly ironic that we're doing the importance of incident management uh, four days after I managed to fall up a set of stairs and carrying two bags and land uh, face first on, on the corner of a stair. I do want to interject. You know, there is a little bit of, I don't want to say destiny, but maybe a slight destiny. So we have had one issue uh, when we were going to try to do this recording and my internet signal had some uh, malfunctions, if you will. And then since then, Jules has unfortunately had an incident and we're talking about incident management. So really the gods were looking down and they thought we're going to, we're going to tee this one up perfectly. So let's should, should we should we get into some detail then? I think we can talk in a very practical manner after last week's experience. This, um, so we, we we're going to talk about the importance of incident management, um, and and there are a whole variety of things that we can go into when we when we're talking about this. And I think that, that what I love about these conversations is that if if you listen to the previous episodes. So much of them just tie together, don't they? The things we've talked about already, we've talked about leadership, we've talked about engagement. Those things feed very naturally into this subject as well because they're going to have a really direct impact in terms of whether we know about the incidents that are happening and, and whether we, we actually do investigate them effectively. Um, so should we start off by talking about engagement? Um, and, and, and it's a really important thing to think about. There's a regulatory element there um, in, in, in legislation around employees, but also it's there in terms of ISO standards. There's some really clear pointers in those around uh, employee engagement. And, and I think one of the key reasons for that is that when we think about incident reporting, there's this challenge globally, isn't there, Langdon, um, around actually just getting people to tell us about the, the incidents that have happened. You know, and it's one of those, I think, and you're right, and hopefully everything, it's it's funny how it's worked out. And I think it's because we have put a lot into it and in, in trying to carry the conversation of understanding where we want to take this continual journey almost of health and safety and the topics that we're discussing. And when you get to incident management, you know, it's really, it's an entire life cycle. So you have a incident, you have a reporting of that incident, and then you have an investigation of what happened in that incident, and you have to try to get everyone involved. And that's where the engagement, that's where the, the leadership have, have the frontline employees been told of, of what is the expectation. The frontline employees, likewise, do they believe that change can happen? So then you get to that, that investigation aspect, that hopefully corrective action, preventative action in place, that closure, and hopefully that training learning that we talked about. But it is something that you said that if we don't have good engagement, 
So you, you know, it's the whole aspect of if you have a, an organization where people are not fully engaged, they don't, they don't understand, is anything going to happen? Is anything positive going to come out of this? How will it actually affect me? Then you start to see that there is a massive, I don't even know if I would call it a speed bump, but it's almost a gap because the incident management, you won't be able to take that anywhere. So it goes all the way from yes, reporting that an incident happened. And, you know, there's that aspect of if it's a, something serious, if it's, you know, hopefully not, but if it's a fatality or somebody seriously gets injured, they have to go to the hospital. It's easy, right, for that to be reported because, you know, good, good luck hiding that. <laughs> so, it's, But it's all the other incidents that, that occur, whether it's near misses, whether it's first aid, minor, where it was nothing really but it could have been something larger. And, and I think that what we've seen, especially over the last, what, 10 years, probably even longer, we're steer, still experiencing those serious incidents that aren't being truly investigated and learned from like they should be. Uh, the whole thing around SIFs, serious injury fatalities, it's now looking at it from a perspective, and it has been for the last few years of, did we classify a fall off a ladder? Let's say you know, I was four rungs up, fell off and I was actually on concrete, but I was fine. A lot of times that might just be viewed as a typical incident, but have we actually looked at that as a serious incident? So I think what we're seeing now are some of the, let's go back to basics. And I think a lot of it probably has stemmed from the C word that we don't want to name, COVID. So we don't want to go there, but a lot of just the basic health and safety, it seems like has really kind of fallen to the wayside. And it seems like there's a lot of emphasis that we could even put on incident management for the prevention of serious, for the prevention of other incidents. And to me, that's something I know that we have a lot of conversation around with, with various clients, with different organizations, as far as how can we get better intel, better insights into what's happening. So, uh, you know, I'm very, very passionate about incident management and what can we really get out of that process. And, and there's so much involved, isn't there? That's that's the thing. I mean, I was just sort of pondering as you were talking then. Um, there's so much affects this. And if if we don't know about things, we can't, we can't change the world for the better, can we? So so we've got to be doing things that encourage more people to report things and understand the value of reporting them. And there was a, there was a, a really key point that you brought out there, which was people only report them when they're serious. Because it's and, and and we can't avoid reporting them when when they are serious. I had a really interesting case just just a couple of weeks ago of a of a business which had a very autocratic leadership style, and actually they had site managers who covered up reportable incidents because they didn't they were worried about the reaction that they would get from senior leadership. Well, you start to think about the ramifications of that in an organisation, and it's massive. Um, so. So I think there's a, a, a really large piece of this that is cultural, isn't it? It's it's cultural at a leadership level. It's cultural at an employee level. Um, and, and it's all about getting all of those people to recognize that actually there's a real value to doing this. And the value is, is, is yeah, it's, it's stopping incidents from happening again and it's keeping people safe. And, and let's also be realistic. There's also a a kind of operational and profitability piece as well, isn't there? That if you have an incident, what's the first thing that happens? Production stops, doesn't it? Whatever whatever business you're in, you have to stop doing what you're doing 
to sort it out. So actually, there's a, there's a real value financially as well in, in terms of sorting this out and, 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 and doing it more effectively. Yeah. Um, I suppose there's the regulatory element, there's the finan financial element, but also I, I think it's kind of self-fulfilling when we talk about engagement because if you, if you think about any organisation, and I've worked in them, where actually the health and safety isn't great, that also tends to reflect in the culture of the business overall. Um, so what you tend to see is that those kind of organisations actually have issues around around sort of retention of people. Yeah, and, and actually the retention of pe people, if that's poor, that has a knock-on effect then in terms of quality and what the business does. So, so actually, if, if we can start to get more people engaged in safety, we can actually create a safer workplace there's that other knock-on effect here of actually people want to stay, people want to keep working for you. Yep. Yeah, and and I don't want to be, I don't I don't want to be superficial from the standpoint of how we hit on some of this aspect uh, because I mean let's be honest, incident management is a there's so many aspects to it. You know the investigation part, and I know we're going to dive deeper into that later. The, the actual hazard reporting, hazard spotting, and we'll get to that in another podcast as well, but. You think about it and you think about that whole life cycle of an incident and how each step is just added to the other to have that closeout and that preventative standpoint. But really it ties back for many of you, maybe you've heard of the blame cycle or for those who haven't, it's basically if an incident happens and uh, leadership will look at them and say, well, why did you mess up? Well, then the frontline workers are like, well, it wasn't necessarily me that messed up. It was a, it was an incident that happened. So then communication starts to suffer because the trust has been dwindled. Well, then if communication stops, then I don't want to share because I don't trust you. So management then likewise is going to suffer because of that lack of communication and that lack of trust. So both parties and then you have a continual cycle of, of failures when instead it's looking at it from, hey, how do we actually look at what happened in that investigation? Kind of like what we talked about a few podcasts ago. Was it a lack of a lack of true uh, kind of that training learning aspect that we didn't provide the workers with some of the necessary tools needed to uh, suit the job? Did we you know, not utilize to the best of abilities? You know, whatever, it, it can go on and on. But I think what we see is, how often are we looking at it from a what what were we getting in? Have we been tracking good data? Have we been getting good insight into incidents when they come in? Maybe it's a near miss for a lot of organizations. I think even tracking or treating a near miss as an actual incident and that gets tough. You know, there's a lot of organizations that are very, very forward in the maturity model. And for them, yeah, if they're having great reporting, which is crucial, uh, maybe they're having, you know, whatever, hundreds of near misses, which could be another conversation. But if they're treating it as such, it, it might be difficult to actually go through every one of those if they're highly engaged. But that's when you start figuring out, well, let's prioritize. But for those others, let's treat it just like an incident. And hopefully we can start having some preventative steps going forward. And, and that's when we start seeing that that engagement aspect, because when, when we used to do quite a bit of, of training around this, and, it, and I think it aligns perfectly when, whenever, if, if someone's really wanting to 
either get a new incident management process or if they're looking for new tools to manage that. I love just doing some trainings with them of, hey, let, let's look at the process you're doing now. Let's basically align to get a better understanding of that incident. Because if I don't have people involved, if I don't have people bought into that process, there's going to be so many issues that arise because as safety professionals, as leadership, we are banking on the frontline workers to actually report. And there's so many obstacles to even reporting. You know, it's, it's one of those, and it's, think about it, you know, maybe, maybe take, take a quick step back. I was that Jules, what were you like? I was the type of kid and you'll see where I'm going with this, that I was fortunate because I paid attention in class. I was decently smart. So I made pretty good grades, but I wasn't the type of child that wanted to raise my hand and even ask a question unless I was truly clueless. And I looked around the room to see, okay, everybody is on the same page. That just wasn't me. I don't know what you were like and you'll see where I'm going with this. What, how about you? And, and it's, if, if you don't want to ask a question that you know there's others doing. You don't want to bring something up because a couple of things. One, I don't know how it's going to be taken. I don't want to look like with my peers. I don't want to look like the village idiot who's bringing something dumb up. But same way, I think now, how do we get people to actually report? And that's the biggest, you know, yes, we have to recognize hazards, but if people don't see the value in that, maybe there's a plethora of obstacles that could arise. So I think to me, that's one of the things also we have to try to really dive into whenever people are looking at their processes, because we want to ensure that all aspects are well suited to actually have a productive incident management life cycle, because there are there. This is a, in theory, a simple process that is not simple. Well, there's been legislation in place for 50 odd years and we're still, we're still talking about it, aren't we, in 2022. Exactly. So it's not that simple. Um, I was going to say, though, just, just listening to you again there, there were a couple of, uh, of sort of interesting points. And the first one is that, that term of near miss, isn't it? Because actually that term of near miss is almost a bit soft soap that it, it doesn't feel that important, does it? And yet, actually, you talked about severity as well. You could have a really severe near miss, a really severe near miss. And that's the kind of things we need to learn from. Yeah. Um, the danger is, though, they don't, people don't talk about it. And, and I'm feeling slightly guilty here because I didn't report to the hotel that I'd managed to fall up their stairs last week. So, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I've, it's I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm on the wrong side of the fence here slightly. There was a the time that I did the same thing at a WeWork. So, yeah. Okay. But but then the other piece in terms of why people don't report things, and often it's simple stuff, isn't it? It's it's simple stuff. We've talked about leadership style, yeah? Leadership style has a direct impact in terms of whether people are going to report things or not. And it can also be it, 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 that industry culture. Um, I, I, I'll just give a shout out here for a great book that I read, which is called Black Box Thinking by a guy called Matthew Syed. And Matthew Syed's a journalist in the UK, but this book starts off talking about um, the reporting and the investigation of incidents. Now, if I was to say to you, what, which industry is the most effective investigator of incidents? Which industry? Usually, well, here, let me, here in the States, it's usually some of the highest hazard industries. It could be oil and gas, heavy manufacturing. I mean, that's 
But it's actually aviation, isn't it? If you think about it, it's aviation. If you think about aviation, every incident in aviation is taken absolutely seriously and there's a full investigation done and the findings are published to the to the wider world. And it's because of the, the knock-on effect, isn't it? But that's a culture in that particular industry. It then compares it to the, to the medical industry where actually everybody is just scared scared to, to, to stupidity of being sued. So they just try and cover stuff up. So actually trying to investigate an incident effectively a lot of the time in a hospital is really challenging and people don't, don't sort of come out and tell the truth. So that cultural piece is, is obviously important. But then some really simple things, isn't it? Like, okay, so how's somebody going to report an incident? Yeah. So in, in the hotel last week when I managed to fall my way up the stairs using my face, actually, I had no idea if I could report an incident, how I was going to do it. But again, that happens in businesses. Um, or, or if they do know how to report the incident, it's you've got to go to the far end of the building. You've got to find a piece of paper. You've got to fill out this long-winded form. You maybe don't know what actually people are looking for in terms of the detail that goes into that form. And, and, and I just I used to throw this question out all the time when I was talking to, to people, which is, have you ever had a form yourself that you've been asked to fill out and you've started it and then you get to a field and you think, I'm not sure what they want or it, it needs a long description? And, and what's the easy human trait to do at that point? Oh, you say, yeah. oh, I ain't going to do it. I'm not no. doing it. Next. Yeah? Um, and that's part of this global issue, isn't it, of, of underreporting is we just make it too difficult to, to report. So we've got to simplify it. Uh, I mean, KISS, you know me, I talk about KISS all the time. Just keep it stupidly simple, yeah? Um, it's keep it really simple. And 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 as in as in the Kevin Costner film, they will come, yeah? So you, you've got to make it easy for them, yeah? Like a good film reference. Hey, you know, and I think, and you bring up a good point, and that's one thing we used to work on so much, and I still try to as well now, it's, overcoming barriers because i mean you just mentioned in you know whatever 15 seconds five of them and one of the biggest things to me is how many times have have myself or excuse me someone else brought something to the attention and then nothing came from it boom okay yeah so right quick there was a time at a previous organization we had this you know, brought someone in and we did all this uh, communication and just discussion around improving the organization. What are different ideas? And we wrote, it, it was really good. And I'm, as many of you are probably starting to know, Jules knows very well. Sometimes I have a tendency to think things are, I'm a very realistic person. Maybe that's the way I should say it. If you can correct me and use whatever term you would like, but we were going through these and we were putting down, I was like, you know, we, we ended up getting bought in this process. Like, man, let's come up with all these great ideas. So we wrote them down, a friend of, and myself, uh, same field, health and safety. And we slapped them all, all up on the wall. And kind of at the end of the session, you know, the leader went through and started talking about them. And we kind of discussed it a little bit. And then at the very end, all right, thank you. And everybody was getting up leaving. We sit there and watched him take all the post notes, didn't take a picture, but he took them all and threw them in the trash. So within, I don't know, however long it took to do that. Yeah, exactly. It just smushed any spirit. And if you want to overcome reporting, let people understand the 
and honestly, it's within anything of health and safety. For this, we'll use it for the reporting aspect. Why does this matter? Because it matters because you're valued. We care about your opinion and we want to see how can we help you be the best that you can be. And honestly, that's keeping myself healthy and safe, but that's also keeping those around me healthy and safe. Because if I don't report something, maybe I saw a leak on a, on a line over here. I didn't think it was a big deal. Maybe it was a flammable liquid that all of a sudden, you know, Joe over here accidentally sparked something. You know what I mean? And I'm totally crazy scenario, but ensuring that people are bought in and that we care about what you say, that is one of the easiest, honestly, obstacles to overcome. Just throw ideas out and share those and say, hey, you know what? I don't know if we're going to be able to do that or not, but at least we're going to take that. Let's discuss it and see what we can come up with off that, you know, and, and that just shows that you care. I mean, you know, that's, that's my camaraderie. It's all about it. And, and, and for those of you who are listening as opposed to watching, I've, I've just made the fatal mistake of doing something that was very visual rather than audible. So just to explain that, I really just did an impression of my fist into my, into my hand. And it was really sort of simulating the crushing of Langdon's spirit at the end of that session which is something that's really easy to do as a leader or a manager, isn't it? If we behave in the wrong way, just those little actions that we don't even think about have a big ripple effect in terms of are people going to report things or are people not going to report things? Um, I'm, I'm going to bow down to your superiority here as well, Langdon, which I, I try to avoid doing. Thank but you. In, in this case, I think so. just the conversations we've had, you, you've kind of, sort of changed my perception slightly. I used to get really passionate about leading indicators and I'm still passionate about leading indicators. I think they're great things. We should be trying to capture information that's going to help us to proactively prevent incidents from happening. But I think there's, there's a danger in this world we live in that life becomes very black and white. It's either this or it's this. It, it, and actually safety is not like that. So, so I think it's really important to sort of talk about this lagging versus leading to say, yeah, leading indicators are important, but when reality is we, we're never going to completely eliminate incidents. So we've still got to have a focus on those lagging indicators, haven't we? Um, and, and, and sort of consider how those can again help us to sort of mitigate and, and prevent things from happening again. Yeah, well, it's the whole, yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, it's the... <laughs> It is the aspect of we see typically history repeats itself, right? Yeah, yeah. Just in general. So you know that if you don't rectify an incident, even if it was two years ago, that if you kept track of it, that's that lagging you're talking about. You know, if we don't look and we don't have a good investigation of that incident management, if we didn't have it reported, you know, whatever, maybe it wasn't reported. If we don't have good data of that, that's probably going to happen again. In the same way, I'm, you know, I, I love, I definitely want to be preventative. I want to look at leading indicators and then I want to even look past that at what are pre-incident steps that we could take? What are things that are positive? You know, so I, I definitely like that, but you have to know where you've been so you can know where you want to go. And I love your idea of, of sort of almost doing a, a pre-incident investigation. So so actually getting people into this mindset of investigating in the first place, but also maybe almost like me going up the hotel stairs, if we'd done a pre-incident investigation of, of guests using the stairwell, 
it may not have happened in the first place because we've we've actually got people to consciously think about it. Um, it's a very facetious kind of example there, but I'll I'll use it. Okay, I'm lifting your hand um, up. Yeah. Uh, I think the other, the other thing that that we see all the time is there's a massive inefficiency, isn't there? There's a massive inefficiency in terms of the way that incident data and incident investigations are actually managed. Um, so again, that's another deterrent, isn't it? Anything that's clunky and complex is is going to put people off. So we have this sort of, again, we sometimes take this sort of black and white view of the world, which is our oh, pe people on the shop floor won't report incidents and that's where our blockage is. But equally, there can quite often become a blockage in terms of the investigation at this kind of management level, this supervisory level, just because it's such a complicated, complex process that people have to go through. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and the more that you can, let's be realistic. And yes, I'm, I'm relatively young, fortunate, 37 year old. I've been doing health and safety for about 13 years now. Um, but so I, I look at the software side. I mean, anything that can help streamline and be more efficient and effective, that, that's what I'm that's what I'm for. If it was something other than software, that's great. But right now, software is the best we have because it can create that. I have seen numerous organizations, and honestly, I've, I've worked at some where they were kind of the same. If I have to go and do a first report of incident form by hand, which I'm notorious, you know, I'm, for those of you that can't say I'm showing up a notepad, I like doing stuff by hand. I still do stuff by hand, so I'm bad about that. But if you have to fill out an entire report, let's say it was the first incident report or the first report of incident, excuse me. And then I do another one and it's basically the same thing, but even longer, you're creating a cumbersome process where just what you said, there is zero automation to that other than I have to frequently move my hand, you know? So I think that, yeah, you hit on a great point coming up with a way to overcome that. That's, that's crucial. And I think I just want to go back a step as well, because I kind of really want to, I think it's a really important point to nail, and you did mention it, which is this, what happens post-investigation? Um, and 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 I'd, well, we, we call it the black hole, don't we? So the black hole is we actually persuade and we get people to report things, and then they never hear anything about what, what the result was. And, and and so actually, after a while, people go, well, obviously nothing's happening. It's not important. It's not valuable. So I'm not going to do it anymore. Um, and the real irony and the real frustration a lot of the time is that something has happened. So there has been an investigation. There maybe has been some conclusions and some actions, but they're just not communicated effectively, are they? So that that whole concept of actually having a really nice process at the end of lessons learned that's shared out to the right people, again, simple thing to do but it has a really again the ripples it's the big ripples that it starts to generate because people go oh hang on a minute i reported that yeah and actually something's happened as a result of it so i'm feeling like i'm generating a bit of value here yeah um so so again i think that's a really important point to, to focus on that simplicity and then make sure that we we show some kind of results at the end of it for sure and I think hopefully viewers and listeners out there, what you've understood is that, that the incident management process, the incident management lifecycle is a simple yet very detailed process. And I will say, I know Jules and myself can talk about this 
for considerably longer, but for sake of for sake of time and knowing we're coming to the end, I, I would say the next few weeks we will be breaking down certain aspects of this. And I think that to me, that is where we can start getting even more in the weeds with this. So if there's anything, I'm, I'm about to do a little closeout, Joe. Is there anything you want to add before we kind of shift off? No, no, no. I think, I think we've not really gone into sort of finite detail of, of what that life cycle looks like, but I think we've, we've really hit on some important points in terms of things that you can think about as a health and safety professional that are going to start to help around this whole, this whole process. Um, I think the most interesting thing for me is going to be how many people who've listened to this on, on their usual podcast provider rush now to YouTube to see what my nose actually looks like. <laughs> I'm going to let you close it out at that point. I agree. And then please, please comment on whether he should have filled out an incident report also. I would like to say that because, you know, for whatever the reason, maybe it was shoes you were wearing, you were tired, yeah, whatever it is we could have learned from this and hopefully prevented future incidents. But for, for close, I would say, you know, a couple of things. One, always, always, always review your own processes. Take an in-depth look, very introspective look at, at what you're doing. In this regard, we're talking about incident management. What does it look like right now? And be real with yourself. You know, you hear us talk numerous times about, the maturity model and the maturity scale that we use. And, you know, we'd be more than happy to, to share that with you. It definitely would. And kind of how that entails of, of transitioning on in your own organization, but no matter what it is. And again, I'm a realistic person. So that's just the way I view things. It is what it is. Take a very introspective look at what your incident management process looks like right now. Maybe it's great. Maybe there's some barriers you have to figure out how to overcome. Maybe it's part of the getting the insights, getting the data that you need to get better. Um, what are people reporting? And we're going to get more into that as well. So I think that's one step. Also reflecting, why are people not reporting things? You know, again, the reporting aspect we will get to in a couple of weeks as well. But I think that is one of the most crucial elements. And then also, what does your process look like? Is it cumbersome? Is it simple? Uh, incident management, again, it's a it, it's a vast challenge to honestly undertake. And Joel said it earlier, talking about the aspect of underreporting, and it is because so many places are not as fortunate to even have that regulatory aspect to at least have that baseline. So for those places that don't, you're looking for it a good practice. And hopefully um, through this conversation, you can pick up a little something on how to, how to get better. So with that, uh, I look forward to the next podcast, which we'll be talking about hazard spotting and Jules, it was, it was good speaking with you today, buddy. As always. As always. Hey everyone, really appreciate you tuning into this episode of Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. Please follow and subscribe to wherever you stream your favorite podcast or visit us at evotix.com. And if you want to see how follically challenged we really are, come and check us out on YouTube. If you've got value from the podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts. And in the review section of this podcast, if you could leave us a review or a rating, that would be great. And as always, everyone, while you're going about your days, and about your normal lives, stay safe out there and watch each other's back. <laughs>